Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Halloween edition of the Coaster Challenge Podcast. <laughs> and here are your hosts, David Cantu, Jenna Cassell. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great, Dave. How's it going? It's going good. Happy mid-September. Yay. That means all of the Halloween stuff's in place. Oh, yes. The Halloween season has begun and it's underway. And my goodness, Not Scary Farm was insane this year. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. They did an incredible job. I'm just really shocked. I actually just like the fact I could just be out there with everybody and just to have the whole team out there uh, that weekend was just fantastic. Yeah, and getting a chance to meet everybody, for me, face-to-face versus through Zoom and be like, oh, hey, so this is who I am. (laughs) Yes, or through a phone relationship as well with many of our friends in the East Coast as well. Well, I hope you guys are having a wonderful September. I will say it's been pretty hot here in Southern California. Seems to be scorching all over the country this year. Yes, Halloween season is upon us, and we've got another very special guests for our Halloween season. Andrew is standing by with Josh and Josh is actually one of the main people from Scream and Scream out in Florida and this one Jenna I believe is like they do what's called a drive-up haunt. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little more about it? They've had quite a few of these I know on our side where you kind of drive through it through these like mazes type thing. They have people scaring you through it. So kind of like instead of being in the walking around like in the parks haunts you're in your car able to experience a lot of the on a bigger scale yeah that's exactly what it is so like you get a car load of however many people you can fit in the car you pay your fee you go into the drive-through and you drive around in the you know in this like loop type thing i know we had one out here in uh woodland hills last year we didn't do it because it was like 90 bucks and it was like, okay, that that's a little ridiculous. I mean, if it would have been cheaper, we probably would have done it. And it was like, but it was per person. It wasn't like per car. And they gave you like a pumpkin. And I was just like, that, that was kind of lame. So it's kind of like how Magic Mountain did it with Cruise in the Park, the car show. But they did a whole drive-through. But I believe they also did the haunt. The, they did the Holiday in the Park drive-through. Yeah, the, the it's park. like the Holiday in the Park, Almost. where you just you drive through everything, and it's kind of a loop, and then you exit out. Well, that sounds really cool. And you know, Andrew's got Josh standing by. But first, we are going to do our Halloween edition of YouTube highlight, highlight clip, clip of the, of the week. week. This is the YouTube highlight clip of the week. Halloween edition. All right, so in this week's YouTube Highlight Clip of the Week Halloween edition, we are doing some great discussion about Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Hollywood. Now, I will be honest with everybody, I have not experienced Halloween Horror Nights at Universal yet. I will be experiencing it this year. But I will say Jana has seen quite a bit of what it's like. And this particular clip we're going to be highlighting here is something I have never seen in my life. You want to share a little about it, Jen? So I've actually kind of experienced this, but it was like in the early 2000s with another friend of mine. It's the back lot tram ride. So you get onto the tram like you would for the back lot tour. The only thing is, is they have you get out of the tram and walk the maze. When I did it, I didn't realize that 
Like, they didn't say, like, oh, by the way, you have to exit this vehicle. You, I thought it was you stayed in the tram and they took you through it. And that wasn't the case. Uh, this clip, you see them actually get off the tram and go through the different areas for the back lot. It's not real so, big, but it's still like that. You're walking through yeah. the Whoville, the Bates Motel, the Psycho House. The destruction um, area from War of the Worlds. Yeah, you're just- going through that and then you kind of exit get back on the tram and it takes you back up i mean that it's not is, that is insane because so it sounds like you start off like you're doing a normal tram tour ride like it was like any other day and then all of a sudden you just abruptly stop yeah and they have you get out and then you're literally walking through the universal back lot and they've got it completely decked out got scare actors all over the place i saw in this one video clip that we're going to be highlighting in our show notes that they had a section that was dedicated to clowns, and I know quite a few people, Jen, they are not big fans of clowns. Right. They have a huge But I'm actually was surprised because in this video that I saw, yeah, you go through Whoville at the time, which I don't even know if it's still there to this year. Uh, you go through the World War of the Worlds destruction area where you see all the destructed airplanes like actual size airplanes that had the roofs ripped off and see it's what you see from the clip from the movie war of the worlds and then you go through the bates motel area where it has the scary house with the hotel down below and then you're gonna go through a maze but you know what amazes me is that they didn't have you go through hill valley in the town square area of the of the i think it might be just a little too long because if you think about it that tram rides what like a 15 minute ride could you imagine though if they had you go through that town square could you imagine what they could do with the fog oh they could do like they could do like an alien invasion in that town man i I mean it could be the the, like the invasion of the body snatchers or it could be like oh my god they could do like who knows like independence day style (laughs) you know a giant ufo over the town i I think universal could do a lot better than what they've been doing it's kind of like they're not bringing their a A game to halloween i mean they're universal's known for their horror movies you know the classics frankenstein dracula the mummy freddy krueger um a lot of these horror movies that they they've been known for and i've kind of over the years i've noticed like they stopped they kind of got away from the makeup part of it and dressing these people these scare actors up in makeup and are putting them more of into masks and it kind of for me it kind of loses like that special i guess magic in a sense yeah i i definitely get it because the makeup part really uh brings out the characters that they're all dressing to be i just think that on a business side me being a businessman knowing that i have a funny feeling it's because it it takes a lot of time and money to put makeup on several hundred a- uh, actors for the right. for the for the horror nights it's kind of like how it is when you're pr- it, they basically treat it like you're going in for a movie set where you have to go in makeup and dress and makeup and you could spend a whole day sitting in a chair and i've done it folks i literally like had a friend who was working to be a makeup artist in the studios and she needed a student to volunteer to do what was called so what she did was it was no makeup that they put on me or anything but they had me wear like this she had to put this beard on me but it had to be like it's not something you can just put a rubber band around and you have a beard on this was like actual like they glued your face 
glue. They literally got real hair and they were adding it and stitching it and putting it on. It They put it all on my face. They had me wear like this old man's beard. It was like about a foot down to my chest. But the process it took to do that, I sat in that chair for 10 hours. It was really hard to be able to sit down that long, especially if your butt gets sore from sitting down way too long. Yeah, like I said, I mean, they used to do it and now it's kind of, I mean, they'll do it during the day. They'll put, they'll have some of the the actors that are just on, you know, on day shift, they'll put them in makeup. But then when it came to the horror nights at nighttime, it just, they started putting them in the, in the masks. And for me, it just, it kind of lost like that, that magic of like, oh, wow, this is what Universal has, you know, is does this is what their signature is i had gone back in 2000 probably and i had done one with a couple of friends and back then like when we walked through they were the the people the scare actors came up to you and i was more tripping out on the makeup because the makeup was so awesome you know they were done up as you know like a cat person and then they had the clown person and and it was just like that wow that's really good makeup work you know that's really cool it's really awesome to oh they're in masks okay like yay that's scary but i like yeah. the ma- i like the makeup personally i mean it just I have a gives funny me feeling one. i have a funny feeling universal will end up going back to that stage i mean even uh cedar fair six flags a lot of their scare actors are in partial mask and makeup which even is- that i mean even with the the partial you know having the latex you know to add into the into those features it's a difference because you you know one it's not so hot for the actors when they're in these partial things or yeah i mean yeah it's probably still hot but it's not like when they're in a mask and they're breathing and you're just like oh my god i can't breathe it's hot i'm ready to get out of it you know at least with the makeup it's like you can still you're still able to breathe you can you're not trying to breathe through this plastic piece of rubber or whatever it is and you're just getting hot yeah universal horror nights is also they at least they have good theming especially with all the movie themes especially when they go with stranger things walking dead um they go through psycho like saw i mean they have a lot of incredible trademarks that universal actually owns but i believe that universal is probably just going to keep enhancing but i'm really curious to see what they've got in store this year oh i'm curious i want to know if they do uh the chucky show again Hmm. if they do you have to go watch it dave that was the funniest thing ever oh yeah yeah well we're gonna put this wonderful clip about the terror tram in our show notes but this was actually and you know what's so funny this is one of the only universal parks that has a tram and that actually does this orlando doesn't even have the tram ride so it's like this is something unique for the universal horror nights so if you have an opportunity to go down to universal hollywood to experience the terror tram it might be a good opportunity to go take advantage and check that out but anyway guys this was a really good halloween version of the youtube highlight Clip of the week. Alright, so Andrew is standing by with Josh from Scream and Scream. This is going to be a really fantastic interview, Jenna. Can't wait to hear about it. So take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and Jenna. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast with you today. And today I'm talking to a special guest. 
With me, I have Josh, the general manager of Scream and Stream, joining me. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Glad to have you, for sure, for sure. This is uh, one of our interviews we're doing here to celebrate haunt season here in 2021, as uh, many, many haunts are coming back. And of course, you guys actually were one of the few that actually did a haunt last year. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. For but sure. I know you're continuing that here in this year in 2021. So before we get there, let's just talk about in general. So uh, why don't you tell uh, your our audience about yourself and your involvement in the uh, independent haunt arena? Yeah, for sure. So I, I actually, um, I much like most things in my life, fell into the haunt business by accident. I last year in 2020, like so many people, I found myself laid off, furloughed, all those fun things. Kind of just looking for a way to make money because I, for anyone listening in Florida, knows the unemployment system here is just fantastic. And, <laughs> I was struggling and I was really scared about what was going to happen. And I, I look on Twitter and uh, I see screaming streams like, hey, we need people. And I'm like, I am people. I got this. <laughs> and I ended up joining them about halfway through their run. And as somebody who loves uh, like huge fan of Halloween Horror Nights and haunts and stuff, I was like, wow, I get to see the other side of it. And I was just really happy to have a job. It was definitely an experience. You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere in Kissimmee in a swamp. And I even remember my first day on the job, I'm driving out there and it's like you're just going further and further to the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, did I just answer a Craigslist like serial killer ad? Like, am I going to be okay? <laughs> Got out there and met the team. And it was just, it was really fun. And as we went through the season, like I said, I joined a couple weeks in. So they had already gotten started, but I fell right into it. And just immediately I just became my own attraction in and of myself. Cause we had to, you know, spiel to the guests as you know, they're coming through for the safety briefing and stuff. And I'm like, I could just spiel to you or I could make this really uncomfortable for everybody in the car and I'm just going to lean towards the uncomfortable for you and it was <laughs> it was really it was just a lot of fun and I stayed on through Christmas for the Jolly Creek event and then we wrapped that up and Chris the owner of Scream and Stream looked at me and he's like what's the plan for 2021 I'm like all right let's I don't know yet but let's let's do it we just started talking and suddenly I went from being a huge fan of horrors and, and haunts to being somebody who was creating that for other people and I'm like yeah this is this works. This this works for me. I, I feel right. That's awesome. That's uh, that's great. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've known about you guys for a little while now. You guys were kind enough to invite Coaster Challenge to your first event, to your first media event for the last year's uh, Scream and Stream after your debut. And uh, me being the uh, the one person here involved with Coaster Challenge podcast that's based here in Florida, everyone else is either Ohio or back in California. You know, I was the one that wound up uh, getting to attend and it took some friends along. We had a blast. And But the funny thing was, is, you know, I saw the location, Boggy Creek Adventures, <laughs> which for those that are not here in Florida or not very familiar with Florida, Boggy Creek is is like a, like a Gatorland. It's, it's one of those places where they have animals and airboat tours and, you know, it's sort of like a Florida adventure park. And don't I've never them, been there. Don't give them that much credit. They are not a Gatorland. <laughs> no, they're not Gatorland, but they're kind of a Florida, you know, they've got the airboats and the, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. It's a kind of, kind of a fun little place. It's got some character and I'd never been there before. And like you, I were, we're driving, my friends and I were driving out there like, um, are we going to, we're getting into a horror movie here. Is this like a, like a meta thing? The other thing that's hilarious about it is again, like I was telling you before we started recording, Josh, I'm a huge horror movie fan, huge horror mm -hmm. fan in general, love horns. Like you love Halloween Horror Nights. I just bought my ultimate frequent fear pass. I'm so excited for the return of that. And uh, I've seen a lot of horror movies, even obscure ones, B rated, even you, what you'd call C rated. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but there's a uh, movie, actually a couple of them, Boggy Creek. And it's yes. about 
Yeah, it's a it's a it, you know it's about uh, Sasquatch basically here in Florida. Yeah, I just I actually funny enough. So when you spend enough time at Boggy Creek in a swamp, I I'm also like in my other 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 life, I'm also a writer. And throughout Scream and Stream and throughout Jolly Creek, I actually sat and started concocting a horror story in my head and I'm actually working on a novel right now based around my time in Boggy Creek and I <laughs> as, through, through all of my research I found that movie and I'm like this is what I'm all about and even now working in Oviedo at the mall I discovered there are so many horror movies based around malls and they're all terrible and <laughs> I love them so much there's one you can watch for free right now if you're a voodoo customer it's called Chopping Mall and it is the worst but it has the most 80s horror soundtrack you will ever find anywhere. And I was there for it the entire time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Check that out. So, yeah. So, because I, when I, even before going to the Boggy Creek Adventures there for your, your media event, I want to say it's on the 528, one of the, the you know, the toll roads here in Florida mm-hmm. that goes east-west. And I remember there was an exit, Boggy Creek Road. And I'm like, Boggy Creek? wait a second, I've seen that movie, yep. you know, it's, <laughs> so, so, and then, you yep. know, and then while, you know, Bucky Adventures is out there on, on Boggy Creek Road, but yeah, so anyway, so this is kind of meta for me, like, I know about Boggy Creek, it doesn't end well, so <laughs> luckily Scream and Stream does end well, because of course it's a haunt, it's all about having fun, and, and we'll talk a lot more about Scream and Stream later, sure, you yeah. know, perhaps last year's event, of course this year's event, uh, naturally big time as well, but before we get to that, Let's have a chat about kind of you and your experience with theme parks and, and what those mean to you and, and things like that. And then we'll, in the second half of the interview, we'll talk more about Scream and Stream and, and what's in store this year, especially this Halloween season coming up here. So talking about theme parks for you, what was your first theme park attraction you ever did? I, oh, so we're going to go way back, way back to the early 90s. I, so the first attraction that I ever remember doing, it was, I grew, I grew up in California and we went back to California to visit my dad and he, you know, had to win the divorce. So we went to Disneyland. I vividly remember that trip. My art, the first attraction I remember going on was the Haunted Mansion. And oh. I was terrified the entire time. I was not having, like, I was the worst that entire trip because at one point everyone, my, my brother and my sister wanted to go on Matterhorn. And I was like, I'm good. I will be on that bench. I will see you all later. This is me as an eight-year-old being like, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty solid on this. And then even we went on uh, Astro Orbiter at one point and I didn't realize it like went up more. And my sister's behind me like, make it go up. And I'm like, nah, I'm good right here. <laughs> I, was, I was not a good theme park person at all to start off. And then it wasn't until way later in life, I finally came to Florida for the first time to visit a friend from high school who was working for Disney. And she was like, I will take you to Disney World. And I was like, I will take that action. And I just, <laughs> my first, so my first ever park uh, down here in Florida was Animal Kingdom. It's back when Lilo and Stitch met there. And she took me there to meet Lilo and Stitch because I love Stitch. He's my favorite character. Oh, I and Stitch I was too. like, yeah. I was like, this is magical. This is magical. And she's like, just you wait. And we went to Epcot. And because it's Epcot, I don't remember most of that. <laughs> and then and then it, it became, all right, it's time to go to Magic Kingdom because we had tickets to an event that I had never heard of. And I was like, what is happening? And it was Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Uh, and so my oh. first time experience magic, experiencing Magic Kingdom was walking into the park and seeing Cinderella's castle lit up for the first, like all, like all the lights and stuff for Christmas. And I, there's a video of it somewhere of just me, just, I just broke down and started crying. And I was like, I want this as my life. 
and I went back to Boston where I was living at the time. And I was like, this is, this was magical. This is great. I want to go back there all the time. And at one point, one of my coworkers were, I worked at the New England Aquarium in Boston and she, she banned all Disney from the office. She's like, stop bringing that crap in here. I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. This is my personality now. And at one point she looks at me, it's like, you realize Josh, that you can't live at Disney world. And I was like, you can't tell me what I can't do. And next thing you know, I'm, I've got the cats packed up in carriers my entire life in boxes and I'm moving to Florida and I'm like, I don't know anybody here, but this is what's happening. And it, it was just pure magic. And so, and then, you know, discovering all the parks down here and just learning those, this world. I was like, yes, this is everything I've ever wanted. It started with Disneyland. It ended at Disney world. Interesting. Interesting. So how old were you when you first came to Disney World, as we were describing? Uh, I was 25. 25. I, I, okay. I did not have that experience where your parents were like, we're going to Disney World. My parents were like, we're going to the backyard. We bought a plastic right. pool at Walmart. Have fun. Or that experience at eight years old at Disneyland, your dad trying to kind of win you guys over, right? Yeah. So, so 25, you came here to Disney World. And then how many years later did you move? To, to Florida? Oh, don't make me do math. I moved down here in 2014, so I would have been an age that is math. Uh, it was definitely, I think it was around uh, 28, 29 that I moved down here. And I've been down here for seven years now. So, I oh, anyone who's good at math, I'm 36. I moved down here seven uh, years ago. Figure it out. Got uh, it. So, <laughs> so you had a few years you know, New England Aquarium or, or whatnot up there where you were driving your boss and maybe your coworkers crazy with your Disney obsession that was yep. budding, then blooming. Okay, got it. And I, and I see all <laughs> of your stuff behind you. Of course, this is a podcast, but we're on Zoom here recording. And I see, uh, you mentioned Stitch. Stitch is my favorite kind of Disney specific character. Mm-hmm. But of course, Disney as a company now owns Marvel and Star Wars. And yep. I see at least two back there. BB-8 is my favorite Star Wars character. I see you got BB-8 back there representing. Yeah, so I'm glad to see that. Yeah, it's I I mean I grew up on I oh we could it's a whole separate podcast where we right. talk about my obsession <laughs> with Star Wars. But yeah, that's um it, it's what's so funny is the bookshelf that's behind me. That's like people walk in, they're like, Oh, you like a lot of things. Like I like reading is an obsession of mine, obviously Disney, and then it's it's a little bit further out of frame, but there's an entire shelf of books that I've written that is like my it's so it's weird to have books that you've written on your own shelf, but at the same time I'm like, wow, I I did that. I made that's that happen cool. and people read those and say things about them. Yeah. Well, it's like, if you're, you know, I, I'm not a sports person. I don't have good coordination, but I have a lot of respect for people that play sports and, you know, they have their trophies and their plaques. So it's like that. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's, what, it's your accomplishments. You should be proud of that. Absolutely. So one last thing I want to touch upon just to, from your kind of intro of your theme park experiences, your early theme park experiences is you mentioned Disneyland at eight. So and you mentioned going to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. I've been to that party as well. All the cookies are awesome. And the, <laughs> the special, like your Space Mountain with the, with the um, basically, uh, I don't know if you experienced it, but when I went, I've only been once about two years ago, they had uh, Trans- Trans-Siberian Orchestra playing on Space Mountain. Uh, no. Which is epic. Oh yeah, it's epic. It's so cool. I'm so, so mad now. I'm going to call. Yeah. I'm, I demand to see Walt's frozen head. I'd like to talk yeah. about this. <laughs> so I don't know if they're doing it for, and I don't even know what they're calling that party this year. It's not the same. It doesn't have all the same things. Thanks yeah. COVID. Um, but, you know, I don't know if they're going to do that music. But, uh, you know, they, and I know for for their Mickey's Not So Scary, they usually have like all the lights off and, and no, you know, no nothing. It's all on the, completely in the dark and 
you know, and all that, even darker than usual, I should say. But um, <laughs> anyways, but yeah, fun times. But you mentioned seeing Cinderella's Castle all dressed up. So have you ever been to Disneyland in November, December, like during the holiday? I have. So I, when I first moved down to Florida, I was on this, I was on a huge, I don't want to call it a health kick, but at one point with, especially the work that I was doing, I I realized I was very unhealthy. I was really unhappy with my health and my wellness. And I started running and I discovered run Disney events. So I started doing a lot of those. And of course they do, you know, the coast to coast challenge and all that. I'm like, well, I guess this is an excuse to go to California. So I've been able to, I've now, I've got, I go to California as much as possible to go back and visit my, my roots, but really Disneyland because their churros are superior and I will fight anyone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So get, get and being able to go out there during all those seasons. So I've got, I got to see the new, like when California did their first overlay for Halloween in Cars Land and all that, but seeing seeing what they do for like small world and the castle and all of that during Christmas at Disneyland, it just makes my heart so happy because it, it's such a different experience being a theme park fan of Disney fan, going out and seeing the original park that Walt walked through and all that and getting to see the, and, and what's really, what I love about out there, which is just way out of the realm of topic, like Disney world, you come out here and you see a cast member, you'll probably never see them again when you revisit, even if it's the right. next day. Disneyland, you develop such great relationships there that I know that provided, you know, they still have a job, I can go to X point in Disneyland and I will find this person. And if I'm hoping to go back there in November, once the hot season is over, and if I can just find them and give them the biggest like COVID friendly hug ever, I'm so excited for that because I made so many great friends out there during those times. And I mean, uh, the, the stories I could tell of my theme park excursions would boggle most minds like that could be its own book that I should probably get on top of writing but I'm a slacker so who knows <laughs> no I love I-, I agree with what you said there about kind of the more kind of intimacy so to speak of Disneyland uh, I've got a friend her name is Anne she's amazing she is a waitress at Blue Bayou she's worked there for 40 years and wow. they've offered to promote her to be a manager she's like no I'm good <laughs> I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. She's, I always request her and, you know, she gives me a big hug when I come in there and she's amazing service. She's so nice. She brings little, little extras and all that, you know, just little, little, little thing. Oh yeah. Thing, get her in trouble. You know, just, you know, she's treating, treating people that, you know, she likes nicely, you know, and all that. But of course. Anyway, yeah. she's awesome. She's awesome. You know, but uh, so I know I, I, I get what you're saying there. So now you said you, so you have been to Disneyland during the holidays. So you've been there like in the evening and seen it all. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, because the reason why I ask is because you were blown away by you know Cinderella Castle and 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 you know going to the very merry Christmas party. But I love Disney World. I do. But Disneyland Christmas versus Disney World Christmas. Disney World does not hold a candle. Like Magic Kingdom does not hold a candle to Disneyland dressed up for Christmas. It is. So. It. I mean, for I mean honestly for a lot of things because i i was a disney world purist until i went to disneyland as an adult and i was like oh okay i i see you with your stuff and i and again i think it's it just feels more like family because like i experience like certain things again it's being able to find the same people over and over again and watching the same entertainment and the relationships that i've developed out there even and like the people that are like out there i feel like there's more magic out there and more magical moments and even just like weird simple things like one of my my favorites it drove my one of my friends nuts she lives out in california she did visit disneyland online she's like 
why does everyone love you so much? And I'm like, cause I, I don't know. And we were at, <laughs> we were at breakfast at Carnation Cafe. I nice. ordered it, I, it was during a run Disney weekend. So I was like just eating everything. And I ordered an extra side of bacon and I like woofed it down the second it got dropped. And the waitress came by and she's like, oh, your bacon's all gone. And I was like, yeah, it was the weirdest thing. This big yellow dog came and took it all. <laughs> and she was like, well, that's not okay. And she disappeared and she came back with more bacon. And I'm like, this is the life right here. And my friends are going to be like, why does this keep happening to you? And I'm like, it's magic. And, and it just, it, and I mean, not to say that like I've had, really great, wonderful magic moments out here in Florida, but it just feels, something just feels more special out in Disneyland. And that's, I'm, I'm sure Walt Disney World enthusiasts are going to come for my head on the Twitters about this, but. Yeah, because you know, you're here in Florida. Yeah, I know. I can understand. I mean, I've lived here in Florida for three years. I've been spent a lot of time at Disney. I grew up going to Disney World because I grew up in New Jersey. I was the East Coast, you know, go to Florida on spring break, go for holidays. And I've been at Disney World going there for years but I moved to California. I lived in California for 20 years as an adult. I've spent a lot of time at Disneyland. Literally, I've been there probably hundreds of, across hundreds of days over numerous years, pass holder for a long time. My first time ever going to Disneyland was I was in my mid to late 20s. And for years, I'd never been to Disney, period. And I basically written off Disney. Like, I'm an adult now. Disney's kids. I don't have kids. I, I'm not a family for, you know, I don't have a family. Mm -hmm. And my friends, some friends dragged me to Disneyland. I'm like, no, we're going to show you. And it was in November. So my first visit ever to Disneyland, holidays, all dressed up, Haunted Mansion holiday, which is like oh. the best temporary overlay ever. Yes. And I was just like, okay, sold on Disney. I'm good with Disney for life. And I've been a huge fan ever since, been at D23. And so, so going to Disneyland, especially the holidays, it reinvigorated my love of Disney as an adult and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, totally reset me on that. So, but anyways, so let's, let's, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about Disney, but let's, uh, let's, let's dive into uh, what is really core to the mission of our podcast, of our channel, which is facing fear and, and facing negativity and, and fighting negativity. You already talked about when you're eight years old. Well, there we go. Talking about Disneyland again, uh, you know, being afraid of the Haunted Mansion, being like, I'm not going on, on the Matterhorn, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe it was that trip, or maybe it's been something since then. But tell me about, of all time, any theme park or regional park in the world, what attraction has scared you the most over the years? I, oh, so when it comes down to it, one that I looked at, and I was like, what is happening right now? It was when, um, so again, I, 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 I spent a good deal of time in my life in Boston. And at one point, my older sister was like, let's do a Six Flags day. And I'm like, I'm down. Let's do it. It was when Goliath opened at Six Flags New England. It was the, it was that we went the year it opened. We were, and my sister's like, let's do it. And I'm like, are you sure? Because look at that. And she's like, no, nah, we're doing it. I'm like, okay, that's one that I, I was like, I'm not. And at that point I had gotten over a lot of my fear of uh, like, well, I got, I got peer pressured. I peer, I self peer pressured out of the fear of roller coasters. Cause prior to all of that, I had been a part of an educational theater troupe and I actually took over as the artistic director and me being me was like, oh, we should do a cast bonding trip at Six Flags. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I forgot that I was terrified of everything. And I ended up going on my first upside down roller coaster, my first probably ever roller coaster at that point in my life, just because I didn't want my cast to know that I was terrified of them. And after that, I was like, oh, I love this. But it was on Goliath which if you if anyone doesn't know it, it starts you off and it, it takes you up 90 feet 
backwards. It's probably higher than that. I'm probably like completely butchering the height, but it's really high. And you go up backwards and it's like, all right, we're going to launch you now. And you go down, you go upside down and around and up another pillar. And they're like, okay, all of that, you're going to do forwards now. Best of luck to you. And I'm watching this happen over the course of like a 45 minute wait with my sister. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not, no, I'm not all about this. And this was pre like, hey, you should take all the stuff out of your pocket. So we finally get on the ride. And I'm like, I'm going to lose everything. And what's so funny is after we got off, we watched somebody lose their cell phone. We watched the demise of their cell phone on that ride. And I was like, this is brilliant because it didn't happen to me. But oh man, it, it, it scared me to death. And I have not ridden it since simply because I left New England, but I would definitely get on it again now because I loved it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, okay. All right. So lots to unpack there. So Goliath at Six Flags New England is that is a uh, Vacoma Gib, which Gib stands for Giant Inverted Boomerang. So I don't know if you've ever been to like Knotts, for example, uh, they have, or at least I don't, know, I don't know if it's still there. I think they took it out, but they have a, the uh, first generation Boomerang ride, which mm-hmm. is not suspended like the one you went on, Goliath. It's actually, ab- you know, just right above the track or on the track, like a conventional old style roller coaster. That was the first generation of that sort of ride where it, gets pulled up, drops down, you know, goes through a, a cobra roll and then a loop and then goes up the other side, a ramp gets pulled up that one and goes through it all backwards. The, there have been a, several iterations of that. That was the original. Then there was a suspended one just like that or inverted as it's referred to boomerang. But both of those are pretty similar in that the ramps that you're talking about, the first one you get pulled up and the second one you go up in the middle, though they're kind of angled. Whereas the one you went on, you went on the most extreme version, which is taller. That's why I call it a giant inverted boomerang. And the 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 two ramps are vertical. So you get two vertical drops in the beginning and halfway through. So you went on the most extreme one. So I can understand why you're scared of it. I mean, it's, it's intense. I've actually rode that same ride right when it opened because it started, it was not originally built at Six Flags New England. It was built at Six Flags Magic Mountain as a ride called Deja Vu. And I rode it opening year back, that was around 2001 or so. It had a lot of issues and it wasn't popular. So they decided to move it to a lower tier, you know, less popular Six Flags Park, Six Flags New England. And it's been there ever since. Uh, And it's rumors are that it's not long for this world period. They're probably going to take it out pretty soon and get rid of it. Oh, um, no. Yeah, they just have issues with it. And it's not the most popular ride and it's rough and, you know, it's it's 20 years old and, and all that. Any case, so you well, were Well, now I feel old, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all right. That's all right. I aim to please. So you were really afraid of it. You already, already kind of answered a couple of my questions. So this is great. You're doing great. Uh, talking about how afraid you were, you know, getting on it. You're like nervous about losing stuff out of your pockets. And, and then you get on the ride and it sounds like you didn't lose anything, although you kind of laughed that someone else lost your cell phone. And then you got off of it. And it sounds like, so you said you loved it. Yeah, like we got off and I remember just looking at my sister like, that was a thing that just happened. I mean, at that point, I had really moved past a lot of my fear of roller coasters. But that was when I looked at it. And I was like, wow, no, who would do this? Now, I, it's, it's again, it's just, it's taking, it's learning to take those chances. I, especially as like someone who's traveled a lot, like you put your life in the hands of an airplane, you reach a point where you're just like, eh, if this is how I go, then yeah, okay. It was, <laughs> it was a fun ride. <laughs> so gotcha, gotcha. But so bottom line is, you know, you enjoyed it and mm-hmm. you've enjoyed riding it since then a number of times. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. And then you were also saying kind of moreover that this sort of broke your fear of roller coasters in general. Mm-hmm. When you've been on coasters you've never been on before since then, 
do you you don't really have that same fear it's more you're looking forward to it yeah it's more like wow i'm really ready for this ride like i we in florida had a couple we had a um, a couple of rides open up pre-pandemic and i knowing the theme park world enough was like i will ride that in six months i will see you then and <laughs> so like post-pandemic i rode hagrid's for the first time over at universal nice and i i typically avoid any pov rides or any videos yep. and stuff and experiencing same. that for the first time i will not go into why i do not fully support the wizarding world of harry potter because jk rowling is not my favorite human being I understand. <laughs> looking at like the ride itself, I having knowing nothing about it, my first time on it, my my friend was laughing at me because I I probably let out a more more ex, expletives than would have been allowed on a child uh, like a family friendly <laughs> ride, right? Because I knew nothing about it, and all of a sudden we're like we're, it's just launch, 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 and then you're going backwards, and then all of a sudden you drop, and I'm like, what is happening? It it just makes it so much more fun. And then like doing we did Velocicoaster for the first time when they're nice. soft opens in Florida. We I was uh, people came back to me like, what was it like? And I was like, I don't remember. I was like, Raptor, Raptor, Raptor. Oh no, ah, Raptor. That's the ride. And it, <laughs> and it's just like I'm I'm suddenly excited, especially seeing how the technology has advanced over the years from when you know, when theme parks first started really becoming a theme to what they've evolved to now and how everything's evolving more and more and more. I'm like, yes, I'm so excited. Because I remember getting on Velocicoaster and I was like, wait, this this ride goes upside down and upside down roller coasters, you're supposed to be strapped in over your shoulder harnesses. Right. This is the shoulder harness, am I going to die? And I was like, cool, let's let's do this. And so it's it's definitely like turned me into somebody who's like, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what we can do with it and watching technology advance. I'm like, yes, let's go. I'm excited for the next big thing. So let's, let's. That's do awesome. It. Definitely. It sounds like one impact of you riding Goliath a number of years ago is you were really scared. You got over that fear. You loved it. And that's helped you to just enjoy theme parks, enjoy coasters and really have the positive side of things, the adrenaline, the endorphins, the, the smiles, the laughs, and all that. So but besides that, though, ha conquering your fears on Goliath, has that had any other impacts on your life? I, you know, it's, it's around that same time is when I, I found a huge shifting point in my life. So like I, you know, my, my high school and college job, I was working in a grocery store, which is not exciting at all. And you're like, how did you go from I was, I started off there as a bag boy. Now I'm like, I'm part of creating haunted attractions. And you're like, where did that jump happen? I think a lot of that inspired me to, to face a lot more. Cause I, I grew up in small towns. Even when I lived in California, I lived in a small town, moving up to Massachusetts, I lived in a small town. And I was, part of me was really content with that life. And I was like, I'm going to work in this grocery store and I'm going to work my way up. And I, you know, went from bagger to cashier to customer service to doing all this. And now I'm an assistant manager. I, I realized that I was just very complacent in just the life that I lived. I'm like, this is fine. Everything's fine. And the rest of the world is scary. So I'm going to stay in this small bubble and I'll be okay. And bursting that bubble. And it's, it sounds weird equating that to just riding roller coasters, but you're like, there's when you, once you face that fear and embrace that, there's an entire world of possibility open to you. And I started branching out and I was, I started a business and started doing speaking engagements and educating people and moving out into the world. And I realized, wow, there's so much more outside this bubble. And if I just embrace that fear, finish that weight and 
just jump on that that ride and take it, there's so much more out there. And that inspired me to start a business that inspired me to move out of my comfort zone of small town Massachusetts into slightly bigger town Massachusetts into I'm just going to move to the other side of the country in a downward way. Just everything beyond that. I'm like, yeah, if you if you look fear in the face and say, all right, let's do this. So much more is on the other side of that. And if we we learn to embrace and accept that, there's so much possibility. And it, it, it's, it's terrifying. Moving down to Florida was terrifying. Starting a business was terrifying. Getting laid off from everything and furloughed was terrifying. But if you just embrace it and say, all right, what's, you know, we're going to move forward in that line and we're going to get on that ride. Once we move beyond that, you're like, yeah, this is it. And, and just chasing that same feeling in life is really what gets it for you. And I'm, I'm so happy to like take those steps. And even though, again, everything's scary, it's worth it. It's, it's worth jumping into your fear and really saying, yeah, we're going to do this. So that's, that's fantastic. So basically facing your fears in Goliath and realizing what you got out of facing those fears, the other side of it, that positive side of it, that helped you to embrace life and take more risks, it sounds like, deal with scary anxiety-invoking situations, like you said, moving and dealing with job loss and furloughs, because life happens, but you were able to better deal with those things because of you had faced your fears previously. Yeah. And it's, you know, you, it's, again, you look at you, like you, as you're standing in line for that coaster and you're watching it happen, you're like, no, 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 no. But you realize there's, there's so much more safety behind every move that you make. And it, it's scary. You think you're jumping without a safety net, but the world built one in for you. And those engineers built one in for you. <laughs> you just have to, you just have to embrace it. And it, it's, I, I, I can't stress enough how terrifying it is. All the things that I've done in my life, moving to the point where I am now, some of it's been scary. Some of it's been the absolute worst. You're like, why is this? Ha-? Like, I, I look at the entire pandemic and I'm like, why is this happening to me? But you realize it's not just you, it's everyone. And you, it, it's all of a sudden your world has exploded. And a lot of it, yeah, it can stem back to just simply waiting in line and riding a roller coaster changes everything. We, we talk about sometimes when we talk about these sort of topics with our guests about the concept of, of fear training. And what I mean by that is, training yourself to deal with fear. And you can think of analogs like athletic analogs, like for example, you know, someone that is going to do like be an open water swimmer, like an ocean swimmer, or do that one third of that part of a triathlon, for example, they're not necessarily going to start in the open water in the oceans with, with rip currents and waves and all that. They're going to start in a lap pool. You know, they're going to, they're going to be, to be a good swimmer to begin with. They're going to start in a, you know, perfectly flat, no waves, safe lap pool and train themselves and get to the point where they can start swimming in the ocean, dealing with temperature differences and all that as well. Not all oceans are are warm, Uh, you know, and again, dealing with waves, dealing with currents, you know, even, even, you know, animals, sharks, crabs, whatever it can bite you, fish that can bite you, you know, all those, all those risks. You don't necessarily start with those risky situations. You know, athletes, they start at the base and move upward. Same thing with skiing. You don't do a double black diamond first. You start off with a, you know, a simple one. And so it's the same thing with fear. You know, you, you, by facing fears, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, some people, they go through a really hard part of their life early on where they deal with major fear and anxiety in the real world. And, and that can be tough. And, and a lot of times, unfortunately, those types of situations, those people, they wind up turning to drugs and alcohol and, you know, some of them get break past that and still succeed. But a lot of them, they have short lives, suicide. And, you know, there's a lot of hard knocks there. 
for people like yourself and myself and, and David and other people, you know, that we've had on the show, we are very fortunate. Again, we, none of us have perfect lives, but we've been able to train to face fear in a safe and a fun way, riding coasters, going on haunted, uh, going into haunted houses, you know, going on drop towers and, and all these things where they're safe, you know, accidents happen, but they're very, very rare. So they're really, yeah. you know, nothing's hundred percent safe, but very safe. And we have fun doing it. And we train our, our minds to realize, Hey, if it's something that is intimidating, doesn't mean that it's going to end in some awful conclusion and awful result. You know, things can go bad, but things could also go good. And things yeah. can go so good that you get endorphins and adrenaline out of this thing that you were afraid of. You know, 30 years ago, when I started riding coasters, you know, really became a coaster enthusiast, riding my first, you know, upside down coaster at Six Flags Great Adventure, New Jersey, where I grew up. I wasn't thinking about this stuff. I was thinking about, hey, these things are fun. But as yeah. time has gone by and then meeting David several years ago and really thinking about, wow, yeah, theme park is, theme parks are therapeutic. And so I'm so glad to see you, like, like, you know, so many others have had this sort of, you know, really deep and meaningful pivot in your life because of this. So that's awesome. So in addition to, you know, enjoying all these coasters and these rides and, and, you know, being able to face fear in your life, is there any other ways you can think of where theme parks have had a positive impact on your life? I mean, I, so much. And even like what actually just popped into my head, you know, you flash back to 2016 in, in Orlando, especially in the summer of 2016, we did not we were not having a great time in, in no. June 2016. I remember, of course, June 12th, 2016, waking up to text messages and, you know, panicked Facebook messages from friends and stuff being like, are you okay? What is going on? And I thankfully did not go out that night, waking up and finding out what was going on with, with Pulse Nightclub. And, you know, this is something that at the time was five miles down the road from where I lived. And I was like, what is happening? And seeing what was going on, my, weirdly enough, my one and only instinct was like, I just need to not be in the real world. And the the very next day after uh, the Pulse nightclub shootings, went with a friend to, to Animal Kingdom. And it was the most just therapeutic thing in the world. And we went and did Festival of the Lion King and just kind of went and embraced just all of this, you know, and, and seeing all of that was really weird. And, and then the next, the very next day after that, I went, I, I put together a bunch of just little Tootsie Pops of all things with a little note that said, um, you know, thank you for making magic when the world has seemed to run out. Went to Magic Kingdom and just started handing those out to cast members. Oh, wow. And, and was like, wow, you know, first off, thank you. Like everything is terrible right now. And you are here continuing to make magic, going into the parks and doing stuff like that, being a part of that and seeing just how much harder everyone was working to make magic was phenomenal. And that, that really did it for me. And it, it showed me just the, the, the meaning and the purpose of all this magic. And I went to Universal and did the same thing. You know, it, theme parks were my escape and I went to escape the real world. I went to, I would go and do work. I would like too many distractions at home, go to Disney, which sounds weird, but believe it or not, productive. Being like, not only seeing the magic that these people are creating every single day, not just at Disney, but at Universal as well. 
and oh, yeah. all that they're willing to do to create the best experience possible, not just the best vacation, but to put that extra touch into it, even when everything is crashing and burning around you, even seeing the parks reopen after the pandemic, you're like, wow, these people are so passionate about what they do. And I would love to find that passion for myself. And when I walk into my everyday experience, I'm like, yeah, let's make this magic. And every we, every job that I've had since, even though, yeah, I'm not working for Disney or Universal, but I'm going to create that. I'm going to find a way to create that magic and to really enhance that experience. And it's it's changed the way that I view a lot of things to know and to see that these people know that Disney is their escape and Universal is their escape and theme parks are their escape. All that they do to try to enhance that, as long as you're not being a raging pain, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that you're having a great time. And I think that is like just such a, a way to live your life. And I mean, I've worked in customer service my entire life and some way, shape or form. I've, I've tried to apply that sort of Disney theme park logic to it. And if I can say yes, if I can add an extra touch that you weren't expecting, then yeah, I'm going to do it. And I, I've done that in my everyday life. And I've just seen how that just switches the expectation for people. And it's just so amazing. I, you know, it's, it's created such a change for me and it's been such a great escape. I, I can't think it enough for that. And I, I wish I could think like, just give all the cast members a huge hug if I could, but that's not allowed right now, but someday it'll happen. For sure. Yeah. A couple things to I want to unpack there. Uh, first of all, you mentioned uh, the um, tragedy and really the, the terrorist attack that was the uh, Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, absolutely tragic. And one of the most awful events that's happened in, in recent time. I was not living here in Florida at the time. I moved here about two years later. You know, I have many friends here and had friends here. I'm myself, I'm gay. And so I'm, I'm part of the LGBTQ community. And, and so I certainly was hearing about it through those channels. I have friends that were actually there that night, as I found out. And, um, you know, and, and that was awful. And I don't know, you, you may remember this or realize this, that was not the only tragedy that occurred in Orlando that week. That same week yeah. is when that poor, poor baby, that you know, little kid was killed by that alligator right there, uh, right by the Grand Floridian. Very next day. And then the yeah. day before was uh, the, uh, the singer that was like, that was, and I, I remind people every year on, on my Facebook, I'm like, you know, this is going into this particular three day period was not great for us. So many of us are carrying scars from that because I you know again, I, I was, I was supposed to go out that night and I declined the invitation and, and did my own thing. And I had friends who were there. Um, I had friends who were lost. And then seeing that just on, the ongoing tragedy of that weekend, it's just, it's a lot to take on. And it's a lot to think about. And again, it's, you know, we live in this world of magic, watching people work through all of that to create those experiences. And because again, I, I went to Magic Kingdom the day following the shootings. And it was, it was also the, and I think when I finally ended up there, it was the day after, you know, it was after the shootings, it was after the tragedy at the Grand Floridian. And it was yeah. just like, how how are any of you doing this right now? You know, some of them, you know, I, you know, I handed off my little trinket of like, thank you for being here. Some people were just very like, mm, like I am, I am the British soldier guarding the palace <laughs> and others, you know, we shared those just wonderfully magic moments. We shared hugs, we shared tears. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that because, and, and seeing what the parks did, um, I don't, I don't, you weren't here for it, but when yeah. Magic Kingdom did the unofficial moment of silence 
at Magic Kingdom, mm. which, and I, I will get choked up forever talking about this. It was the first time since the parks opened that people from various lands were allowed into Town Square, were allowed into Cinderella Castle Square. They cut the music. Oh, wow. And there was this... It was a uh, post-fire, and it was just this moment of silence. All these people come together to share this moment. It was just the craziest thing that I've ever seen. And I've never experienced the Magic Kingdom dead silent before, but there we were. And then Universal, um, they've got the window above um, Horror Makeup Show, if you've ever seen that. Yes. With uh, the names. Oh. And it's it's the names of the Universal team members that were lost. Oh, and wow. I didn't know that. I'll have to look for that next time I'm there. It's Yeah, it's um, if you're standing uh the hollywood like sort of photo op uh just off to the side going to the parade route loop yeah right above that it um but it's got it's got it's a uh, you know messages from the sky or something like that and it's it's truly magical it's it's something that hits close to me every day and i look at it every time i see there and seeing my friends names up there and i'm like this is cool and they they took the time to really address address this and make it a part of the magic and make it something a part of the legacy of these parks. And I think that is amazing. So, I mean, all of it, and it's, uh, you know, for all of the flaws in the theme park communities in Florida, there's also the really great parts of what, of what they do. And sometimes people don't realize, and like even people walking through and they may like, Regular tourists may look at that window and think nothing of it, but it's it's become a part of them. And maybe they'll ask, like, you know, what is this all about? And then they can learn. And I think that it's really great that we're not, you know, making it some passing fancy of, you know, eh, this is a thing. It's no, this is a part of our history now. And this is a part of who we are. And yes, like especially Disney is designed to ignore the real world and let you escape that, but they're also willing to acknowledge it as well. And I think that's that's really amazing. And again, those people that create those magical moments, you know, walked into work and and even today, post pandemic, went back to work and are working so hard to create these magical moments, even though people are being kind of awful. Yeah. It's great to see that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's so true. And, and, you know, you were talking about that. That's awesome, by the way, what you did that, that, you know, I know it was not something huge, but it, it's not, it's not necessarily what the gift is, so to speak. It's the thought that counts giving those, those Tootsie Pops to the, you know, the team members at Universal, the cast members at Disney. And yeah, to your point, this is what I was alluding to with not just the Pulse tragedy, but the what happened at the Grand Floridian, just how you were saying how the cast members there at Magic Kingdom, for example, write a stone throw from the Grand Floridian, how they could, between all of this stuff that was going on that had happened, how they could still do those magical moments. And it's people like you that were there to, to thank them and appreciate them. That helps, you know, keep them going because again people when people are at theme parks i think when you have your the people you're referring to the people that complain <laughs> or say i paid three thousand dollars for this vacation and i deserve this and your pass holes and things like that i think you know i'm i'm a i'm a theme park goer i have all i have aps to all the local parks here in florida i've got a cedar Fair pass now i've got sea world you know everything and i'm not a pass hole i try to be really appreciative really good and even if I have a customer service issue, I try to be really nice about it, you know, because yeah. I know what these people go through. But a lot of people, they don't realize these are human beings. Yeah, they do these magical things and they're, you know, they're they're smiling and all, the, you know, but they, they're human beings with with their own fears and anxieties and problems and not making ends meet and, and all this stuff. So my hat off to you for doing what you did there that, you know, just that's, that's amazing that just thinking to do that. That's so cool. You know, you also brought up about the parks, how they, yeah, they are about escaping from the real world and getting a break from the real world. But yeah, the real world still exists and there are connections with those parks. There are, you know, 
people that died at Pulse that worked at Disney, worked at Universal, you know, or, you know, Disney having this huge Star Wars connection now, mm-hmm. owning Star Wars, what they did at Hollywood Studios when Carrie Fisher passed away. How amazing was that? I, I wish I could have been here for that. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we they don't forget about the real world. They commemorate it with with tragedies like this. You know, if I, I really, if there's one thing that our listeners at this part of our, our discussion here can take away from this is, you know, a lot of a lot of our people that listen to the show, we're at the Coaster Challenge podcast. They're coaster fans, they're theme park fans. You know, you, I know you're everyone, you know, a lot of us are dealing with stresses and the pandemic and this and that. And you're going to the theme parks a lot because now you can because things are opened up again. Disneyland's opened up again. Don't take your cast members, your team members, your employees at the parks for granted. Give them a Tootsie Pop. Thank them. Kind of akin to that, Josh, I have been, in the wake of the pandemic and everything else, I have been completely and utterly blown away by the level of customer service and engagement repeatedly by team members at Universal Orlando. You know, I'm sure some of them are listening. I've got many friends that, that work for Universal, you know, in, in Universal Orlando specifically, whether it be on the creative side or on the operations side. My, again, my hat's off to them. I've had some amazing, magical moments, not because I asked for them or I begged for them, just because, you know, I'm just a positive person that's enjoying the parks, that's passionate about the parks. And I'm a big believer in karma. And yeah. I, I'm not going to go into the stories now because <laughs> we're going way off on tangents here. And that's okay. Yeah. But, you know, I've gotten rewrites just because the team member liked me and my friend that I was with. And we enjoying the conversation and our positivity. And got mm-hmm. some rewrites and, you know, just other things and just great conversations and just great customer service. So it's yeah. not just Disney's that's, that's doing that anymore. And, you know, and it's amazing in light of what's going on in the world, the pandemic and everything else that these team members have stepped up like they have. I mentioned haunts. So let's start talking about haunts. It's Halloween time. It's the season. It's my favorite season. So indeed. So you're, you know, you're not just a theme park fan like myself and now apparently a coaster fan, thanks to Goliath. You're also a haunt fan and involved in the, in the industry. So I know you work for, for Scream and Stream, as we talked about earlier. Talk to me about the process of creating a haunt attraction. What that what's that like for you? It's honestly, I it's something I've never experienced before because I think what a lot of people don't realize is like it's it was true for Scream and Stream, it's true for Halloween Horror Nights. The event ends and most people are like, ah, Halloween is over this time for Christmas. Not in the haunt industry. We're like, ah, it's time for Halloween next year. And <laughs> And so we, like, I just very distinctly remember Halloween of 2020 when midnight struck and it became November 1st, all of a sudden our owner in a a stroke of what he thought was brilliance and I became enraged about suddenly starts playing Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you is like, no, no, no. (laughs) And he's like, no, it's Christmas. And I'm like, no, it is still Halloween. And then all of a sudden conversation started of what is Halloween 2020 look like or 2022 look like, or what year is it? 2021. 2021. (laughs) I don't even know what day it is today as per most of the emails I spent sent. So it's fine. I was like, I'm game for it. Like I'm always ready for Halloween. The process of creating, it takes a lot. Like we've been having these conversations, no lie, since November 1st of 2020. They were very small at first, but then as the new year rolled around, we're like, no, this is a, this is a real thing. We're ready to do this. Having been on 
you know, the guest side of it for so many years, I went to Halloween Horror Nights for the first time in 2015 and fell in love. You know, five years later, I'm in a pandemic and suddenly I'm working for a haunt myself. It's very interesting because the the story is born and the idea is born. And then you're like, all right, we're going to roll. We're going to roll with this. We're going to do this. And it, it just grows and grows and grows more and more as a, a giant snowball. And now we're at the point that, yeah, this is this is happening. This is the, the beast that we've created. And we're going to unleash it upon the world. And the process is so crazy because you, you think like, uh, and even like looking at moving into the season, you're like, how soon is too soon to think about? Like, when, when do you worry about ticket sales? When do you worry about all of this? Because the normal world is not thinking about Halloween until maybe later in August, early September, of course, Orlando, we're thinking about, uh, according to Disney, we're thinking about Halloween now. You're like, no, we're, we're thinking about it all the time. And when you work in, especially for me, I work in event coordination. I'm not only thinking about Halloween, I'm thinking about Christmas. I'm already thinking about Valentine's Day, which is a sad thing to say out loud, but that's the truth truth of it right now <laughs> you know it becomes your life for a very long time you know most people get into january and like oh halloween's 10 months away and we're like no this is happening now we're stressed about this now let's go <laughs> so it's it's definitely a little bit crazy you're having conversations at a time when people are like why are you talking about scary stuff it's valentine's day it's a season of love and i'm like no spooky go so it's a, it's a trip for sure so what do you think in terms of theme park haunts what do you think they, what role do they have in helping people face fears? What does that look like for you? What do you think about that? You know, I, I think about my, uh, one of my friends who loves horror, but is terrified of clowns. Uh, <laughs> watching her a couple years in a row coming to Halloween Horror Nights. First, there was the killer clown scare zone, which I remember oh, her, her walking yes. into. And she was like, I'm going to need a drink. And I was like, I got you covered. I know a bartender. We're going to go visit her first. And then when we did the, the house the following year, just watching her be like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, you are, I, you got this. I think, especially when it comes to fear and horror, there's, it's that rush of fear that we, we don't maybe want to admit it, but we really kind of are like, I like that feeling. Even this year with, with Scream and Stream, when I, I told her very early on before it was even announced, I was like, oh yeah, our theme this year is clowns versus zombies. And she's like, do you just hate me? And I was like, a little bit, maybe. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, didn't, I did not conceive this, but I'm just embracing it because I'm right there with you. I think it's just that feeling, that rush of adrenaline that we don't realize, maybe a lot of us don't realize that we really enjoy that feeling. And once we finish it and come down from that high, we're like, mm, yes, that, but again, I think it just, it's a, like finding that just that natural high for all of us and being like, I'm going to embrace this. And I, I've seen people who have, uh, I remember a friend of mine had never gone to Halloween Horror Nights before. She was not a horror fan, but when HHN brought in the Stranger Things IP, she was like, I love this show. I want to do nice. it. And she latched on to me. She's like, I know you're an HHN pro. Show me the ropes. And I'm like, all right, welcome to the ADD that is me in a theme park during Halloween time. But just, just like follow me. It's not going to make sense. You're going to get your steps in, but follow this path and we got this. And watching her slowly evolve from somebody who's afraid of all of this to being like, yes, I love all of this. I love everything about this. I can't wait for next year. I've already got my pass the second it's available. It's so cool to see. And much like what David was talking about earlier and getting on that coaster for the first time, it just takes that one little push of this is what I want, like do this with me and take this journey with me. And I'm somebody who's done it and I promise you it'll be okay. And again, it's facing that fear and moving on 
and realizing that you can conquer so much more and seeing people really embrace that now like my actually both people I just talked about with clowns and HHN for the first time are both named Meg and watching both those Megs take that journey <laughs> into embracing their fear I'm like yes you're a bigger person for it of course Meg number one who's afraid of clowns was like when I finish Scream and Stream this year you better meet me with a shot of tequila and I was like I've got you I'll find a way to make that happen <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome speaking of I, I do want to call attention to this. My understanding, Josh, is that Scream and Stream, part of how it was born last year during the pandemic was to help and to source all of this labor, this talented labor, whether it be scare actors or designers or just people that are about themed entertainment. All of these people that have been furloughed from Disney and Universal, you know, even the um, for your Jolly Creek event, which I went to, thank you for the media day invite for, which was a super fun where you had the, um, the Glen Floridian Orchestra there working or, you know, playing music. They did a great job, you know, giving all these people that are out of work, maybe not full-time jobs, but giving them something and letting them delight people again, which they, they love doing, many of them. So talk to, tell, tell me about how you guys, what you guys did there to help out these people that were, you know, desperate. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I mean, uh, again, like, so last year was our first year, especially with Scream and Stream. So obviously we were not, we were not perfect and we completely own that. And we, we learned from that. And I think what's really great about uh, our ownership, Chris, who, Chris and Kelly, who a husband, wife team, who, you know, small business owned this event and created this event. They're always open and willing to learn. One of their biggest things is Chris's background is in, in this community, in the, the theme park community. And he really loves and embraces everything about it. And to see not only so many people hurting for entertainment during these times, but also the people hurting for jobs. It was really cool to see them say, you know, first off for, you know, Halloween, like people love Halloween. What can we do to make Halloween happen still? Scream and Stream is born. All right. You know, you know, we get the news that Grand Floridian uh, Society Orchestra, who's been a staple at Grand Floridian for who knows how long, is now out of the job. What can we do? What can what can we do to you know bring that entertainment to people to not only create those jobs and to have these events born from that is truly spectacular. And so many of our operators and performers were either Horror Nights veterans or theme park veterans or people who got their first break into this world for the first time. It was really cool to see that and to see them want to continue to create these opportunities for people. And again, there's a lot of growing pains from it. I, I mean, again, we were out in the middle of nowhere in basically Murderville, Kissimmee. Did I enjoy getting eaten by alive by mosquitoes? No, but they also, they this random guy from Twitter was like, hey, I need a job. And they're like, you know what? You got it. They they helped out so many of us and to provide all of us with those opportunities, I think was really, really great. The Orlando theme park community, there's some people out there that maybe not be the biggest fans of us because they're so, I don't, I don't know the best way to, the nicest way to say this, but they, they don't realize that, that theme park entertainment sometimes is not the end all be all. And there's so much more out there. And if you, right. again, you explore that unknown and embrace and check it out, and, you know, maybe in our, you know, our first year was, we tried our best. We did the best we could. I think it was a lot of fun. Was it really corny and hokey? Yeah, we, we embraced the, that 80s B-movie mentality and we're like, this is where we are. But we've, yes, now, did. we've now evolved. What we're bringing to you this year, I, I look at like Ridley Scott, Alien, great movie. Aliens, mm, that's yes. the jam. 
I'm not, yes. I'm, maybe I, I shouldn't say this isn't the aliens of theme park haunts, but we, we embraced it all. And we looked at all, and like, uh, you know, Chris is very in tune to social media and he's looking at all of those comments, all those feedback. And yeah, we're seeing the positive, but we're taking a look at the negative and where did that come from? Where can we right. build on that negative? And that's exactly what we've, we've done for everybody. So we've created not only this great opportunity for people that needed jobs, we've created, you know, great opportunities for people that want that spook and that haunt. And then we've learned and we've grown from it. And that's what's been really, really cool to see. That's awesome. We're, we're in the middle and we're still going to be talking some more about your involvement on the other side of not as a guest, but as a creator and, and, mm. and you know, and, and managing an independent haunt, you know, we, we want to support the industry and yeah, we're talking to you about looking at how fear and fear can be faced and theme park haunts and things like that. But, you know, I'm so glad that we're having you, uh, you know, on the, in this interview today, because I love that your organization has done so much good for the, all of these people that are out of work and struggling. And, you know, again, that's amazing. And I'm so glad that we're help can help you guys out with get your, the word out there about this relatively new event. Again, you're only in your second year because you guys are doing so much good for these people, giving them jobs and giving them an outlet. You know, so many scare actors, they couldn't be a scare actor last year, which is, you know, I can see that even being depressing for people because they, they love it and it's so different. And, you know, and then on the same time, again, providing those of us that love horror and love haunts, I, the only thing I did haunt-wise last year, even though I'm in the theme park capital, was Screaming Stream. It was much available. So because of the pandemic. So, you know, yeah. again, kudos to you guys. So talk to me about more about creating haunt. How do you find balance in creating a given haunted house or haunted attraction about making it just the right amount of scary, not too scary and not, you know, where it's not enough scary? How do you get that balance? What do you do for that? So one of the things that was really cool about last year and what I loved about uh, one of the positions was spieling to guess about safety and stuff, but that we, you know, we'd have delays like any theme park attraction does and getting to talk to people. And you had a lot of kids that were experiencing their first haunt ever with Scream and Stream. It was because they found this safety in that they're in their car. And so you've got kind of the shell around you. And right. it was really cool just chatting with them and, and you know, talk, getting to break that facade of, yeah, I'd start off like with my weird little spiel, but then, oh, we've got a minute to kill. We're gonna like, let's have a one-on-one -on -one human conversation. And seeing them face that fear for the first time. And then because especially the way we were designed last year on a loop that you saw people leave and you saw them come back and getting to see these kids that were super scared, they got to, again, they got to face that fear and, you know, embrace the, as Elsa would say, they went into the unknown and they came out the other side okay. And really getting to see that was really cool. And as we've crafted this year, we've kept that in mind. Like, what can we do to, especially as we're catering, you know, not only to that the haunt community, but we've really now focused more towards on the family dynamic of coming to a haunt for the first time. And what can we do to make them excited about experiencing this? And as we've, you know, it created that interactive element that we now have this year, they've got a lot more control. And I think it's really cool that we're, you know, again, this year, we're going to see a whole new community that maybe has never thought about Halloween the way Orlando does, because Oviedo, you know, it's not too far outside of Orlando, but we, in Florida, we all live in our own individual bubbles. Right. To bring that, and to even, like, working in the mall, what's really cool is we've got the Scream and Stream storefront with the pictures of the zombies and the clowns, and watching kids walk by that, and they're like, what is going on here? And they see the imagery, and they're like, wait, I can shoot a zombie, I can shoot 
maybe something they would have initially been terrified of. They're like, ah, I, I've got some control in this situation. And so not only do you have that little bit of safety that is your car, but you've now, you know, you've got the laser gun that you're able to shoot at the clowns and zombies. You've got a little hmm. bit more control. And maybe that, you know, maybe, you know, in a couple of years time, maybe next year they'll be like, ah, I can move on to not, you know, hallow scream or not so scary and really start to, you know, embrace embrace the horror roots that I think every kid should be introduced to sooner rather than later. I was introduced to horror at a very young age and I'm like, yes, this is my life now. But watching them face that and creating something that helps balance that family friendly and a little bit of horror and there's a little bit of, there's control in it. So you don't feel so overwhelmed by the terror that you're feeling. You can embrace and control and have some, a part of the action. What's really cool is we've got, you know, we have the laser guns this year the performers are all wearing these targets on their chest. They know when they've been hit and they react to that. And they see, oh, if the more I'm engaged in this, the further away the scary things get. So I'm going to keep doing that to keep the scary thing away. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be so much fun to see. I'm so like we, we did the play test a few months ago where we had some you know podcasters and vloggers come through and stuff. And it was great to see like, okay, experienced haunters, but I'm so excited for those first kids to go through. I, if I could just like walk with the car and be like, you having fun? You having a good time? I would do that, like hardcore. That's, that's interesting. Okay, very cool. So maybe this relates to my next question. Talk to me about why you guys decided to have your event again this year with everything else going on. It's And what's so funny is we a couple times went back and forth, like, should we look at becoming a walking experience? We realized that we, we, had, we had honed in something very unique. There, you know, out of the pandemic, a lot of drive-through events were born out in California. They had the drive-through Stranger Things experience and all of that. And we're like, why, why try to be like everybody else? We're like, we are full of walk-through haunted experiences. What if you created an experience? Not like last year, we were in the car because it was a pandemic and it was a necessity. Right. This year, we looked at story and we said, what if being in your car wasn't a byproduct of a pandemic? pandemic what if it was a part of the story and it created something completely different because again again kids feel a little bit safer people who may be a little bit scared to go through haunted houses feel a little bit safer but at the same time we learned in our play test that it felt a little bit more claustrophobic because you're you know you, you it's on you to keep the bad thing away and so we went we went back and forth a couple times about becoming a walkthrough and we're like no nah, we've got something different here we've got something special what can we do to improve it? And again, we were all about improvement, not only the experience for the, the contractors working for us, but for the guests coming through. Sure, could we be another walkthrough haunted attraction? Yeah, that's easy. Creating an experience around a car? Not so much, because not only are you creating the story for this environment that you're putting people in, but why are they in a car? Please and thank you. And we had to come up with that. And we we did it. And, and again, working with Patrick Braillard um, who, of HHN fame, it was really cool to see. Like, all right, here's the theme we want. People aren't walking through. They need to be in a car. Figure it out. And sitting down and doing all of that was really, really cool. It's it's great to be something different. And so you've got Hallow Scream, which has got all of its walkthrough on your feet. You've got HHN, all of it walkthrough on your feet. Let's, let's be different. Let's be unique. And I think having that little bit of a, a unique factor and even like getting people to understand like, yeah, it's a haunted house that you drive through. They're like, I don't get it. Like, well, that's why you need to buy a ticket and come do it. And please understand 
that it is priced per car, not per person. That started off as a running joke for us. Now it's a re- like we get those questions more often than I care to admit. <laughs> but it's it's great because it's it causes people to question, and it's not just another Halloween event. It's something different, and we like we like that about ourselves. We like being a little bit different and weird, and we embrace it. That's awesome, and that totally makes sense. You know, in terms of really answers my question, but you guys are, you, you're pivoting yourself in, as this unique or play, putting yourself as this unique haunt. You were like one of the few last year and you kind of started doing the drive-through thing, figured things, what works, what doesn't, you can perfect on that. Here we are in the second year where you're going to do that drive-through again because it differentiates you. So that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm excited, some, especially some of the things you're sharing here. Last year, you guys had the event at as we talked about earlier at, at Boggy Creek Adventures. And this year you're doing it at Oviedo Mall. Talk to me about why you wound up moving the venue from Boggy Creek to Oviedo. So, I mean, uh, Boggy Creek was great to us again. They um, they really embrace, because uh, what we learned this year as we were looking to, found, to move to a new venue, a lot of people do not understand when you say, I want to do a Halloween event. It's a drive-through haunted house. They're like, what, what, are you okay? Do you... <laughs> Do we need to get you help? Boggy Creek, we, we looked at, again, we looked at the experience, not only the guests, but the contractors working for the event, the performers, the operators, all of that. And a lot of the big feedback was, you know, this is middle of nowhere, the, you know, especially like for me, I learned through Google and experience that uh, mosquitoes love O negative blood, which I have. I was a walking mosquito bite through all of it. And we were competing with, like we were competing with wildlife. We had snakes falling out of trees. We had bobcats, we had mosquitoes. We're like, this was a great environment for the story that we were telling, which was Night at the Die-In, which was you're driving into a, you know, an abandoned drive, a drive-in movie theater and this cult has taken over. But we looked at our story this year and said, a swamp is great, but it's not working for the story that we want to tell. So we started looking at more urban environments and more industrial environments. And we we looked around all of Florida. And of course, the biggest thing for us is we need space and giant parking lots are great. We reached out to the Oviedo Mall, which has a great parking lot because it's a mall parking lot. And malls, as we know them, have changed a whole lot from what they were when they first started. And we reached out to Oviedo Mall and we met with uh, the director of operations there, the general manager, uh, Judy Derosier, who's a, a just, she's game for anything. And we're like, hey, we want to put a drive-through haunted house in your parking lot for seven weeks where people can shoot zombies and clowns. And she was like, do it. And it was really great. And it, it's so exciting to, to do that and to move into this new environment to tell this new story because not only are we getting to, you know, tell the story we want in the appropriate environment that really fits into what we're going for, but it also creates more of an experience. Because again, Boggy Creek is really great, but you go out there and they, they had a restaurant and everything, but your options were very limited. People were very nervous about getting out of their cars. So they came, they drove through, they left. And a lot of people felt cheated because like we drove out to this place, you know, we, we did have to wait in a line, which is again, feedback we got. Now we're doing time ticketing this year. We wanted to create more of an experience. So if you did want to do more, what can we do to have more? And the Oviedo Mall created that. We have been able to work with a lot of the the vendors and tenants within the mall to create more of an experience. So it's like, if you just want to come and drive through and leave, great. But if you want to make a full night of it, you've got you know, district to eat and play where you can go do horror themed escape rooms that you can do uh, axe throwing where you can actually throw 
axes at zombies and clowns that are projected out there on the targets. We've got uh, Calliope Street, which does the wine and painting, and they're doing this. They're doing something really cool. They're creating a zombie juice wine slushy. Go to Regal and see a scary movie that's in theaters. We've got photography studio Amaduzi Photography, who is setting up horror themed selfie stops and things like that. So it's creating more of an event that like you would at something like Halloween Horror Nights, which what we learned again through process of experience was that people have a lot of expectations because of Halloween Horror Nights and Disney. What can we do to meet those expectations? Let's move into this environment where you can come do your drive through haunt, which is gonna take you about 25, 30 minutes, but then get out of your car, go to an escape room, get some really good food. Uh, District, I can't speak too much to it, but they have created some really awesome menu items specifically for Halloween, which I got to try last week. And let me tell you something, pizza fries better look out because they are coming for you. Oh boy, because those are legendary universal. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm now even more excited about going to Scream and Stream, you know, 2.0 here in 2021. Because, yeah, I love these ideas of how you got the mall tenants involved. and They're doing our themes. I love escape rooms. You know, that, oh, this sounds great. District sounds awesome doing the theme food. I'm, I'm game for this. I'm excited. So I'm excited to do this as part of this drive-through experience. Now, one question I have is, will the drivers of the cars be able to do that? Like, is it you're shooting at things when you're stopping? They so um, much like last year, drivers. We need you focus on driving. So everyone, okay. but I mean, everyone is still a part of this experience um, because again, safety is of the utmost important. We you know we're we're right now we're dealing with the Delta variant and all of that, and so we're still looking at safety. And that's why what's really cool about us being an event born out of COVID, we know how to operate in COVID right. because that's right. all we know. And so, like, obviously, when it comes to, like, everything handheld by the guests are all being sanitized and stuff. But when it comes to the experience within the car, everyone has a job. The job of the driver, I'm sorry to say, some people aren't (laughs) going to like this. You need to drive. I need your hands on 10 and 2. I need you focused on the road. But we've got this really cool tech package uh, called the EMU or the EMU that goes into the car that is a part of the experience. So you're delivering what is, it's this kill switch device. And so the driver, your job is to safely deliver that device from point A to point B. Now, people in the car up to, right now with the way we've got it all figured out is up to three people in the car that are not the driver get to have a laser suppression gun. VIPs get more, so look into that experience. But their job is to protect the driver. Driver, you got to focus on, you know, you are you are baby driver from baby driver. Like, you got to do uh, this. That is your job. Um, everyone, like else, that, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is here to protect you. And so they're all protecting you, and you've got this package in your car that's interacting with the environment, with lights and sounds and stuff. You know, some people might think, oh, being a driver is going to be the worst. Like, nah, you got a lot to look out for yourself like we still like safety is number one in our mind the entire time creating this experience even with covid so driver 10 and 2 but you are still going to have an absolute blast even again we had the play test with people to kind of see how it all worked and even the drive the drivers are like this was still really stressful and scary for me so i promise you and that's also reason to come back and do it again because you know switch up your drivers and have a completely different experience where we're a okay with that. And our price, like if you've got enough people crammed into your car, the price is low enough per person. It's worth coming back and doing it again because the experience is never going to be the same, especially now with this interactive element involved. You're not going to like, 
maybe some of you are really bad shots and it's going to change the game because you got to, because we are now, we're now one part, we're not one part haunted house, one part escape room experience, one part laser tag. And you get to experience awesome. all of that as you're driving through. That is so cool. I, you, the more you tell me about this, the more I'm excited about it. I am so here for this. I have a whole bunch of friends that I just knowing their taste, their personalities are going to be all over this where, you know, um, I hope I hopefully be able to make media night, but probably come back with some other people. And yeah, this is uh, this is awesome. This sounds great. Well, Josh, thank you so much for talking about your love of theme parks and your involvement in the haunt industry and what you're the innovation you guys have done with the streaming stream and helping out all these people that have been out of work, you know, from Disney and Universal and elsewhere. And that's just awesome. I love the synergy and, and bringing some, some unique and differentiating haunt to the community as well. And I am, wow. I mean, you guys did great job last year, but this year, wow, this is so exciting. Very cool. So the last thing I want to just ask you is again, you've got this stream and stream. A lot of people have never experienced it. So where can people find you? If you could let us know the, the website where people can check it out, get tickets for those time ticket events, any social media channels you guys have please share away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely find us on, uh, you know, www.screamletternscream.com. All over social media, Scream and Stream, Twitter. Uh, our, our Twitter is quite sassy and we're, that Twitter is year round. We don't, we didn't stop. All over Instagram, Facebook. And y'all don't know this, but I'm going to throw this on you now. Anyone listening, if you go to screamandstream.com to buy tickets and you drop the code COASTER, as you're checking out, you are going to save 10% on your order. And that that is going to be valid for the entire run of Scream and Stream. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to go shoot some zombies and clowns, I'm going to save you 10% right there with code word COASTER as you're checking out. So do that. Check it out. Come see us. Uh, you know, Come see all of the, even just Obito Mall has to offer and just how we're going to make this experience so much more than you expected. Especially if you went last year, we had a lot of people who went last year and were like, this wasn't the greatest. And I've reached out and talked to them and been like, look, we learned, we changed, please come and give us a second chance. Let us show you that we've grown. Cause I mean, even I, you want to go back and look at HHN, they had growing pains at the beginning. And I mean, Oh yeah. If like, if, if anything, go back to, you know, the, the sage advice of John Hammond theme parks, they don't go well. The first Disneyland struggled. I mean, they had velociraptors killing and murdering people and we do not have that. I promise. <laughs> But we've def we've definitely learned and grown. And I please come and grow with us. And you know, you might have the internet talks and says its things, but we listened and we we worked and grew from that. And if you do not have fun, I will be there every single night. You can come talk to me about it. And I'll I'm not gonna do anything for you because this isn't Disney, but you know, you can come talk to me about it. <laughs> oh, that's that sounds great. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for offering a um, a discount, a 10% discount. To our listeners, appreciate that. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Josh. I am so excited for Scream and Stream here in 2021. Can't wait to go. Uh, hopefully our listeners will get to experience it as well. So thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Andrew. That was an awesome description of how your haunt is. I would love to have been able to do that with the whole being able to shoot zombies with a laser gun or even with a paintball gun. I mean, that would be that would be 
so much fun. I think that would help with a lot of that fear and anxiety that people get when they go into these things of like, okay, I still have control of my situation, of my situations and my surroundings. Cause I know that's what it is for me is it's a lot of the, the anxieties of not having that control of my surroundings. Yeah. So this is like the perfect thing for this yeah and i also want to take the opportunity to thank josh because if you guys did not pay attention for those that live in orlando or are planning on being in orlando during the haunt season uh there is a special passcode if you were to buy an admission ticket to their event just enter the word coasters and you will get a discount on your admission ticket and i want to thank josh because he is the first guest to ever offer our listeners a discount on an admission to any event yes thank you josh that is huge well, anyway, guys, this was a really awesome interview, and I really want to thank Josh for coming on and sharing with us about Scream and Scream. Uh, Justin, how can our listeners be able to find us on social media? If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to see more from us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links in the description. Thank you, Justin. Yes, guys, make sure to hit that subscribe button and make sure to uh, follow us on all our social media platforms because we always give up to update of where we're at and what we're doing. And we do all kinds of fun stuff on our social media pages. But this was a really good Halloween edition episode. And we want to thank you guys. So this is David Cantu. This is Jenna Gazelle. And we'll see you all next week right here on the Coaster Challenge Podcast. <laughs>